Hello, I'm Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. With me today is Renu Malhotra, professor of planetary science at the U of A and a newly elected member of the National Academy of Sciences. Welcome, Renu. Glad to be here. One of the things that got you elected to the National Academy was your work on the orbit of Pluto. So what, what is special about the orbit of Pluto? Pluto uh, was the smallest planet, and that itself made it peculiar, but its orbit made it really peculiar. Uh, its orbit does not lie in the plane of the solar system of the rest of the planets, and its orbit is also much more elliptical than the other planets. Um, moreover, it crosses the orbit of Neptune. So at perihelion, when it's closest to the sun, it's actually closer to the sun than Neptune is. Although we think of Neptune as uh, the, the eighth planet and Pluto, we used to think of it as the ninth planet. So there are times when Pluto is actually the eighth planet and Neptune is the ninth planet. And uh, the reason that Pluto happens to not ever collide with Neptune, even though it crosses its orbit, is this um, wonderful thing called a resonance, an orbital resonance, where it's kind of in a harmonic, it, it does a harmonic dance with Pluto. Uh, Pluto and Neptune do a harmonic dance, um, so that every time Pluto comes around and it's close, closer to the sun than Neptune is, Neptune is far away in its orbit. So it's somewhere else in its orbit and so they never ever collide. And that was really peculiar about Pluto. So beyond explaining the orbit of Pluto, it turned out that the orbit of Pluto was key to some other things going on in the solar system, right? Right, so uh, Pluto was always uh, a bit of a puzzle before we discovered the Kuiper Belt. And uh, once we discovered the Kuiper Belt, it became a little clearer that, Pluto, that there were many Pluto-like small planets out there beyond Neptune. Um, before we discovered the Kuiper Belt, I had the idea that one could uh, understand Pluto's orbit if we allowed that there were many other Pluto-like objects early in the solar system, and uh, that they were shepherded by, Plut by Neptune as Neptune moved outward, spiraled out, its orbit spiraled out away from the sun during the early uh, evolution of the solar system. And so Pluto's orbit then became, to me, a, uh, that anomaly that explained a whole lot of other things that we wanted to understand about the solar system. But the whole idea of the outer planets moving, these big giant planets not being fixed in their orbits, that was relatively new at that time, wasn't it? Um, you could say that. At the time, I, I was writing about um, the planets migrating and understanding Pluto's orbit that way. Um, it had been uh, observed in one simulation of, uh, of the solar system that the planets would not necessarily remain fixed as they were forming. Um, and I took that the results of that one simulation, which were not very robust at the time, um, to, I turned that around to say that, well, that Pluto's peculiarities could be the symptom of what was going on with the planets moving while they were forming. So did you get interested in the topic that way, or did you get interested by being interested in Pluto somehow, or was Pluto just something that happened to be there? I would say I got interested in the problem of Pluto, that Pluto was this peculiar planet. So it took you a while to figure out that maybe it was the movement of the other planets that could be the key. That's right, yes. It seemed a little daft, honestly, to 
to move these big guys around to uh, to explain the anomaly that was only in this tiny little planet. So Pluto is like a is like a speck in the solar system, and uh, to try to explain the speck by moving the big guys around seemed a little backwards, but it turned out to be the right answer once we discovered the Kuiper Belt and we discovered that there were lots more Pluto-like objects out there. So what's coming up next for you? What project are you working on now? Um, Well, we've had a bonanza of new planets that have been discovered, not so much by the Kepler um, mission to discover planets around other stars. And so I've been uh, thinking about what we can learn from the orbits and the patterns of orbits we see of planets around other stars, what we can learn about the distribution of uh, the masses of planets that exist in the galaxy. Is ours typical, our solar system? Uh, yes and no. In some ways, uh, and this I'm, I'm speaking, speaking with my uh, celestial mechanics hat on, in some ways the solar system is not that different from the systems that Kepler has found. But um, in the obvious ways, it's actually very different. It looks like an outlier. Obvious ways meaning how large it is, how many planets it has, the pattern of planets, rocky planets closer to the sun, giant planets farther away. Those patterns seem to be somewhat different than what we see from uh, the Kepler data. But there are some subtle parameters that I've been looking at in which the solar system actually looks quite typical. And how complete is our knowledge of some of these other systems? Could it just be a matter that we haven't seen the things that fill in the gaps that make them look like the solar system or make them look different from the solar system? Possibly, but uh, no, I I suspect that the kinds of systems that Kepler has found are actually quite commonplace. And the solar system might well be a little bit different than the average planetary system in the galaxy. Thank you very much, Renu. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Tim.